I'm Nicole Antoinette, and this is Real Talk Radio, a podcast filled with honest conversations about everything. This is our final episode of 2020. For the next few weeks, our show will be on a little holiday hiatus, and I'll be back with a new episode for you on January 11th. One of the things that I think about a lot in running a small creative business is sustainability, essentially what needs to be true in order for this work to be sustainable for me to create, and then also released at a pace that's sustainable and joyful for you to consume. I don't know that there's a perfect balance there, but it's definitely something that I think about. And I find that with every passing year, I seem to crave an even slower pace for my life and work, which is why I've chosen ease as one of my guiding words for the upcoming year. I'm interested in going deeper, not faster. And my devotion to creating resources and gatherings for folks who crave honest conversations, you know, both with themselves and others, feels stronger than ever. And yet I'm resisting the story that says that I need to constantly be making new things, you know, every single week, every couple days at a breakneck pace in order to stay relevant, (laughs) whatever that even means. This is a topic that I'd love to explore more within our Patreon community in the coming months to have some more conversations about this question of really how to find the right pace for your work, your relationships, your passions, and your life, you know, depending upon your current capacity, what else is going on. I would love to talk about that more. And I'm super grateful to the folks in that Patreon community who make this podcast and those kind of conversations possible. If you've been thinking about maybe joining us over in Patreon, now would be a wonderful time to give it a shot. Our entire community operates on a shame-free sliding scale, which you've probably heard me talk about before. It just means that you can support this work and help to fund it from wherever you are within your own means. And no matter where on our sliding scale your monthly pledge falls, you still get access to all the same events and bonuses, of which there are many. I'm really proud to be ending another full year in which this podcast has been 100% listener funded and in which every single one of our guests has been paid. That just feels so good. I really believe that we can vote with our dollars, you know, as much as we're able for the kind of world that we want to live in and the kind of work that we want to see more of. And so if you're looking ahead at 2021 with a craving for more honest conversations and a sense of community... I would love to have you in our Patreon community to help make that happen. You can find us over at patreon.com slash Nicole Antoinette. That's patreon.com slash Nicole Antoinette, where your support will allow me to keep making new episodes in January and beyond. Okay, now on to the show. All right, we are rolling. Bear, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Me too. Working with you as my business coach for the past couple months has been not just a highlight of 2020, but legitimately a highlight of my entire like 10-year self-employment experience. So <laughs> there is no one I would rather have as my end-of-year podcast guest. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. That's so nice of you. Uh, I feel like I'm now that person who, you know how sometimes people will be like, well, my therapist says, or, you know, when I was talking <laughs> to my therapist, like literally all my conversations now are like, well, Bear said, and Bear said, <laughs> it's funny, every time, every time I'm like going to have a session with you, my partner's always like, tell them I said hi. And I'm like, they don't know who you are. <laughs> They're like, but I know who they are because, <laughs> oh my God. That's hilarious. I love it. Yeah. So yes, super excited. Um, Maybe to get us started, you could introduce yourself a little bit to folks, who you are, what you do, what you love. Basically, what are a few things that we should know about you? 
Yeah, um, my name is Bear Abair. I'm a life coach and a business consultant and a social justice educator. That's my like list of uh, list of job titles. I uh, have been self-employed since 2009 and have been fully self-employed without any other like employment side gigs since 2015, 2014, somewhere in there. And uh, yeah, I, I was born and raised in South Louisiana. I live in New Orleans. I love it here. Whenever I'm not working, I spend a lot of time going on long walks, hanging out with oak trees, um, cooking really good food, hanging out with plants. Yeah, that's that's pretty much my life. <laughs> food and long walks is also my life. That sounds that sounds great. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's not bad. And yeah, the, the climate's super mild here. So it's like even in December, we're, you know, it's I think it's like 67 degrees here today. So it's just like, okay, everything's yeah, everything's good. Yeah, I was 28 here in Massachusetts when I went on my walk this morning. So cannot say the same. It's nice and frosty. But mm-hmm. I have been very grateful, particularly during this year of COVID, that walking around is my favorite activity. And that is still possible in where I am. So that yeah. feels I feel very grateful. I'm like, OK, I can go on a walk outside. And that's already my favorite thing to do. Yeah, definitely. Same. <laughs> So we are going to talk about productivity, particularly productivity that won't kill your soul. I love that you use that phrase on your website. I feel like that's, <laughs> oh, it's like the juiciest, best topic. Tell me why you love talking about that. Well, so, so many reasons, but I, I feel like the, the gist of it is that there's, there's so much kind of like discourse uh, for lack of a less academic sounding word around productivity, there's just so much um, sort of like pop psychology around productivity. There's so much like Instagram content around productivity. And I feel like it it tends to sort of fall in, in two camps. You know, one, one end of things is like how to optimize yourself and your life so that you can be the most productive. Or there's this sort of like, you know, counterpoint to that that's like, productivity isn't, you know, don't worry about productivity at all, right? Like we should stop measuring ourselves by our productivity, which I think is true. And also I think it's more complicated than that. And so I feel like I really like to talk about it because I want to talk about the middle space, like what's between those two extremes and and how do we like, how do we live into that? I feel like that's, um, that is a conversation that I am having with myself inside my own head most days. Mm-hmm. Same. Definitely same. Yeah. Anything that's set up is like it's either option one or option two. I feel like very rarely is that really the case. I feel the the truest truth for me is usually somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And that kind of like false false binary is, um, I mean, that's like a whole, we could go down that whole rabbit hole of like the way that binaries um, both make society function and also deeply oppress us. So um, that's a, yeah. Here we are again, facing another one. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. I mean, I often joke with people that I'm a recovering self-help junkie because I feel like I went so deep down the first thing that you described, right? The like optimization, all of that. And then my overcorrection was the second thing that you described, like none of this matters. I'm not going to think about any of this at all. And that was, I think, what I needed at the time. But I'm now trying to settle into something that's in the middle. So I'm glad that we're going to talk about that. Yeah, I think that's true for a lot of people and that kind of like pendulum swing of doing things one way and then having to swing to the extreme opposite in order to 
sort of like break the habit of doing things the way that you had been. That's like, I think, I feel like that's really common. And I'm starting to suspect from my own observations for of myself and my friends and my clients that, that it may just be a necessary part of change, right? That when we've done things one way for a long time, particularly if that way is really um, like culturally prescribed, if it's really like written into the culture of like, this is how you should be, this is what you ought to do, that then whenever we finally are like, oh, maybe not, maybe that's not the way I want to do things, that there is this sort of um, necessity to, to swing strongly in in the other direction in order to be able to like get out of that mindset or break free from those those kind of prescribed ways of being and that's exactly how I felt when I quit drinking, that like my answer to that was swinging so far to the other end of what sobriety looked like for me in the first couple of years is so different than what it looks like now, you know, nine and a half years in has settled into much more of an, a middle ground coping mechanisms. But it's what I needed at first. Like sometimes you do need to make that 180 pivot. Yeah, I think that's such a good example. I, I feel like there's, yeah, there's so many, so many things I can point to like that that are just like, oh, yeah, I, I did things this one way so strongly for so long that in order to, like, balance the scales out that you have to, like, put a lot of weight on, on doing things the other way. Yeah. And also just trusting that that's, you know, part of the process. So obviously, you know, we're going to be talking about what works for us, sharing stories, that type of thing. Um, I'm interested to start with this idea of enoughness or feeling like enough, because for me, I feel like that's what a lot of this is rooted in. My drive or desire to be productive or to feel productive, or if I'm really honest, to just be seen as productive, right? Whatever, Whatever validation I think comes from that. It's, I want that so that I feel like, okay, I did enough. Like I'm, I'm enough, whatever that is, whatever that enoughness is. And so I'm interested for you, why do you think that it's so hard to feel like we've done enough on any given day? Yeah, that is really like the heart of the thing, I think. Um, There's so much to that. But I I feel like one of the things that I, one of the theories that I'm currently working with (laughs) uh, is that like the financial system of capitalism is rooted in there never being enough, right? Like inside capitalism, we always have to be making more money in order for the economy to be healthy, right? That's like, it's literally how capitalism functions, that if the economy flatlines, if it just stays the same as it has been, that that is seen as uh, as failing, right? So if it's not constantly growing, if it's not constantly improving, if we're not constantly finding new ways to create money, new you know, resources to extract, et cetera, that the that the economy is seen as really tanking. And maybe as I'm saying this now, I'm like, oh, maybe this is like a chicken or an egg kind of thing. Like, is that because we have on some kind of human level this drive to always just keep going and that's been folded into the economic system? Or is it that the economic system is that way and so therefore we've internalized it? Uh, the, pl- the theory I have been working from is that it's so baked into the economic system that we've internalized that too. But yeah, I, I think that that sense of of like always driving for the next thing, always trying to figure out what else there is, is really, um, it's just all around us. It's so pervasive that it's it's really hard to escape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I definitely agree with that. I feel like I something I've been thinking about the last few years is trying to define for myself what enough looks like in different areas. Like, what is enough money to earn? What is enough in all of these sort of different 
categories, like what is enough growth for the business? What is it, you know, and and all of that has to be self-determined. Otherwise, the answer is that there's never enough and that I constantly have to be growing and that feels quite unsustainable. Yeah, I think that self-determination piece is really crucial because what the world says is enough, what your parents say is enough, what your, you know, that that those things, you know, what your friend group, what enough looks like in your friend group, like all of those things um, may or may not be relevant for you, may or may not be true for you, um, for, for you, Nicole, but also like for each of us. Um, yeah. And so I think that that piece of like being able to really dig in and go, okay, what is, what does it actually look like for me to be enough in my day to day? And I, I think it's tricky because I think that there's really, um, there's really a lot of like worthiness issues that that gets tangled up in where it's like, oh, enoughness is, is connected to like, do I feel worthy of love? Do I feel worthy of just like existing? Yeah. And to have that then essentially boil down to what does my to-do list look like? And I need this to-do list to be checked off to a certain degree in order to be worthy of love. Like, I don't know that I'm ever sitting down and thinking that, right? Like, if I don't get these 16 things done, I don't get to have love. I don't know that it's that conscious, but I think that that's a lot of what's happening below the surface. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that there's so much of how we treat ourselves that's not happening on a cognitive level. It's not happening on a conscious thought level but if you actually start to examine it and pick it apart it's like oh yeah yeah i'm i'm acting as the even though you may never consciously think if i don't get these 16 things done i'm not worthy of love we act as though that's true right we beat ourselves up when we don't finish the list we you know we need to you know to numb out or check out if we if we haven't done it all or we need to just like keep pushing and work harder and do more and you know find the next thing and so yeah even if it's happening on this totally subconscious level where we never i think for a lot of people it's it, i mean negative self talk is its own problem but i feel like a, a lot of it is like this this deep belief that's just baked in, right? That we like run through the through the world and through our lives acting as though we have to keep doing more in order to prove ourselves to each other. And I think ultimately like to ourselves, right? Like I need to do all this stuff so that I can, so that I can feel good about me. Yeah. And I, I yeah, it's really, it's really hard to unlearn that. What does it look and feel like for you when you're struggling with that? Man, it just happened yesterday. A friend my friend, who's also my neighbor, texted me and said, it's beautiful outside today. Have you been outside yet today? And it was, you know, two in the afternoon. And I I was, I had a two hour break until my next client. And I absolutely could have put on my shoes and gone for a walk. And I, I had this inner battle where I was like, oh, I really have so much more work to do. And I was really counting on these two hours to be able to like sit at my computer and like crank through a bunch of things, you know. A bunch of stuff all in a row that like, okay, now I'm done and I could now I can go and enjoy the day, right? Like, but but also like my last client was at four, which means I was done at five. The sun goes down at five. So it was like, okay, am I gonna take these two hours to do all this work or am I gonna actually just like, you know, enjoy enjoy my life <laughs> and get up and, you know, and then maybe come back and work, you know, from five until seven instead of from two until four. And, and but I, I really had this kind of like inner battle and I texted my friend and said, I, I know I, 
I know I should get up and go out for a walk, but like right now my inner voice really wants me to just stay glued to my computer because I have so much to get done. Mm -hmm. And uh, ultimately I put on my shoes and I walked around the block. That was my compromise with myself. (laughs) I was like, okay, I'm going to go for like a 15 minute walk instead of a two hour, you know, long stroll around the park or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. And it felt like an okay compromise. Some days, some days I would, I would make a different choice. And that was the choice I made yesterday, but it's, I feel like it's always there. Yeah. And that reminder that the, the right choice is potentially different on different days, right? There's no formula for productivity that won't kill your soul. That's going to work a hundred percent of the time, right? Yep. Exactly. Exactly. I would love to talk a bit about kind of how you format your day with this type of stuff in mind, whether that's like practical strategies or because this, like, if I'm being honest, I feel like this, this feeling of, oh my God, I'm not doing enough. I'm not being productive enough. It's like a, it's a daily thought process for me that I have to continue to unpack. And I feel like I'm constantly unlearning and unlearning and unlearning. And some days are harder than others, but I'm very interested in, um, not that you are doing it perfectly, not that anyone's doing it perfectly by any means, but I'd love to just talk about what works for you. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I try to do (laughs) is really sort of like a mindset shift thing but I frame it up to myself as like the game of my day. So I feel like the way that I used to look at my life and my days was like, I would have the 16 things on my to-do list for today. And that would be like starting out with, you know, uh, starting out with, with a hundred points. And then for everything that I didn't do in that day, I would be like losing points all day long, right? Like, oh, I had intended to do three of these things, but I only got to one of them. Um, you know, 10 points off, 10 points off, right? And, you know, get to the end of the day and be like, wow, I had 16 things on the list and I actually only did like seven of them. Um, you know, that's like less than half. That's, that's you know, a 40%. That's a F on a, you know, grading scale. I'm a failure, right? Like I, I did it. I didn't do, I didn't do enough and, and, you know, would end up feeling really bad about myself. And so now my kind of like gamified way of looking at, uh, my day is that I start out um, with with zero points instead of with a hundred that I'm losing from, and anything I do in my whole day is points on the scale. <laughs> so I start out at zero, and zero is already enough, right? Like that's sort of where I start from. Maybe it, maybe it would make more sense if I started out at a hundred and I'm just like getting bonus points. Like that's pr- <laughs> that's probably the way I should frame it up, right? But it's like. I start out with like enough, like I wake up in the morning and I'm enough. I get out of bed, 10 points, right? (laughs) I put on an outfit, like 30 points during quarantine, you know, like (laughs) I brushed my teeth, five points. I went in the the kitchen and made tea, you know, like 10 points. Okay, great. I went for a walk a hundred points. Right. And so like everything is just like in the video game of my life. Like I'm walking through and every single thing that I do is just like adding to what is already enough, what is already like inherent worthiness, what is already like I'm okay. And so it makes it so that on the days that I wake up and I'm like, wow, I really feel like shit. I'm definitely just going to lounge around in my leggings all day. I am going to spend most of my day on the couch. Maybe I will like do an hour's worth of work because I have to show up for something like um, that even on those days, I can just be like, well, that's what happened today. Like that. Okay, that's fine. And to just like really have this, this deep sense of like self-acceptance about it, that even, 
even on a day that that you know nothing quote unquote productive happens even if you know there are 30 things on the to-do list and I do 0.5 of them it's like cool that's fine like here we are I'm a, I already started out at 100 and like anything else I do is just bonus Mm, I'm obsessed with this idea. This is such a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> I, I also like and want to talk about how, you know, it using this following this like example, right, of you as the video game, you're giving yourself points for things that I feel like traditionally people wouldn't consider productive, right? Well, I'm like, well, I just I, I just have to make breakfast or I have to, you know, these things that I, I tend to tell myself that the only things that are productive are work-related things, things that make money, things for other people, things that other people are waiting for. And I, it leads to me really over-inflating the importance of those things and undervaluing a lot of the other stuff that I either do just for me or I undervalue rest. I undervalue social things or, I don't know, reading a book for an hour on the couch or these types of things. They don't feel productive in the way that we're – that we are, like, taught to think about productivity. Oh man, yes. I like I think about that thing so much. And the <laughs> okay, so current working theory on that is that um I think that this one is because of patriarchy. <laughs> I think we could all say that they're all because of all of the systems of oppression, but I feel like one of the things that happens inside patriarchy is that certain types of labor are valued, right? Certain like and and inside of patriarchal capitalism, certain types of labor are like literally valued in terms of like we pay money for them to be done. We pay money for for that labor to be completed. Um and there's so much unpaid and therefore like mentally unvalued, culturally unvalued types of labor that all of us are doing every single day and that that kind of labor is the kind of labor that is like typically you know, um, it, feminized labor, right? Quote unquote. It's like labor that has been traditionally historically assigned to women, particularly women of color. And that that kind of labor is, you know, the care work, the like, you know, feeding people, the, you know, taking care of children, the like dealing with sick people, like all of that kind of stuff is, is the kind of work that like we have not, that has been done for free, right? That has been unpaid. Um, and so then we don't think of it as real work. And I think so much of that kind of work is the repetitive, cyclical, you do it one time and you have to do it again, right? Like you wash the dishes and then the next day there are dirty dishes and you have to wash them again, right? Like you get up in the morning, you you have to, there's some of that stuff that just has to be done over and over and over again. And for me, really learning to value that labor as actual labor and going like, oh, right, like I get up in the morning and I cook for myself, that's work. Like if I didn't, if I didn't do it, I would have to pay someone else to do it. So it's not like it, so it, so it counts, right? Letting Mm -hmm. it count for me that that is, that is work that matters. Yeah. Yeah. It's work that matters. And I was sort of laughing to myself when you said about, you know, you wash the dishes and you have to wash them again. Like there, there's just some of those things like, I had lunch yesterday. What do you mean I have to make lunch again? Right. That they just, (laughs) the never, they're never ending. Like, didn't I already shower this week? Like, come on. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. And I think that that, I mean, that stuff for me gets really tangled up in my own sense of like, are my needs worthy of getting met? Right. And like not resenting my own neediness that like, 
we're just little need machines. We wake up and we need to eat. We wake up, we need to, you know, shower. You need to like see the sunshine in the sky. Like, and, and those, those needs are like recurring, <laughs> you know, you just like have to keep meeting them over and over and over again. And really learning to, to just be okay with the fact that like, I'm going to, I'm going to have needs every single day and I have to meet them every single day. And, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, it's been about recognizing the difference between the need and then the story that I tell myself about the need or what it means to have those needs. Did you, as a kid, ever have one of those Tamagotchi toys? Do you know what I'm talking about? (laughs) I do know what you're talking about. I didn't ever have one, but I, yeah. It was, you know, like this little thing where you basically keep this creature alive, right, through this like very simple kind of video game, right? Like it needs water, it needs to poop, but, you know, whatever. I don't remember the specifics, but I had one when I was... I don't know, 11, 12, something like yep. that. And something um, when I started long distance hiking, because I had never been an athlete really or an outdoors person or had never really done a lot of physical things, I wasn't used to being so like smacked in the face with the physicality of my needs, right? Being that physically exhausted, being that hungry, not being able to find water, being that thirsty, a lot of the stuff that comes, you know, it's obviously suffering by choice, right? But (laughs) it was a really interesting experience. And I realized one of the things that really helped me with that, that I've since taken into my off-trail life is almost thinking of myself as like a Tamagotchi or like, okay, like (laughs) Hiker Tamagotchi like needs to poop, needs to rest, needs to eat and like not making it mean anything. Like what's wrong with you? You already need another snack. You just had, it's like, nope, this is what the Hiker Tamagotchi needs. So this is what it gets. It sounds, even as I'm saying it out loud, I'm like, this sounds ridiculous, but (laughs) it has been really helpful for me, even in day-to-day stuff to really try to just let the need be what it is instead of like trying to talk myself out of the need or make myself feel bad about the need. Just like, okay, well, this is what Nicole Tamagotchi needs. So this is what she's going to get. Yeah, I love that. I feel like I um, I sometimes do that. Like uh, I externalize, which some of this is around like my own inner child work, but like I externalize my needs in that kind of way, just like self with self that I'm like, oh, baby bear needs to, baby bear needs to eat, baby bear needs to rest, like and baby being able to, bear. right? <laughs> And being able to like have that, which is like also that's like a whole other conversation for a whole other podcast episode about like reparenting, but like being able to do that kind of like, you know, meeting my own needs without resentment because I, well, yeah. And that's, again, that's like a whole other conversation for a whole other episode, but like being able to, to, to show up for myself and not be mad about it. Like it's so that that stuff is so deep. Like, okay, so uh, I'll share my own mildly embarrassing example of that. But like, one of the super basic needs that I found myself really struggling to meet is that um, I would get really absorbed in my work so much that I would um, that I would like not realize that I really had to pee. <laughs> like, I would just be sitting at my computer and then suddenly be like, "Oh my god, I have to pee like right now!" Um, and like jump up from the computer and like run to the bathroom, right? And Maybe not quite that dramatic, but like I would really put it off because I think I would like notice a little bit that I had to go and then just be like, oh, I'll just I'll just like wait. I'll just like finish this email. I'll just like wait a minute and then go. And so part of one of my like learning to meet my own needs in a way without resentment um, kind of practices has been to just like go pee the very first time that I notice that I have to pee and like not put it off and tell myself when I'm doing it like hey it's okay that your body has these needs like it's okay to it's okay that you need something and like I'm going to do my best to always meet your need you being me right like I'm going to do my best to always meet your needs as soon as I can 
mm-hmm. like and and with the most like with the most like love and and the least resentment that I can. And it, I mean, it's so silly to be like I practice loving myself whenever I go to pee, but it um, but it means that I have the opportunity to practice loving myself and not resenting my needs, like you know, ten times a day. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think that's excellent. I think everyone, I mean, maybe not, but I certainly can relate to the like, oh, I have to pee, but I'm just going to do one more thing, or I'm like as if going to pee is the reward that I have to earn by doing enough work, like just go right? pee. Like it's, I don't know, it's it's really wild. I also just made a note like episode part two, reparenting question mark. So we can <laughs> revisit that at a time in the future. But um, anything else that you want to speak to on this idea of like practical strategies that help you sort of with day-to-day productivity stuff? Oh yeah. The, I think the other thing that um, that comes up for me here is is the idea of like actually I think this is actually much more practical. All the things we've talked about so far have been sort of like a little more philosophical in their approach. But but this one is like really about like how I make my to-do list. So I divide my to-do list into projects, tasks, and then like um, recurring themes, <laughs> recurring, uh, recurring actions, right? And so uh, like when I make the to-do list, a project is like a heading for me. And then the task is like the sub- it's like the actions that go underneath the project heading, right? So like if, for instance, I was like rebuilding my website, which I'm not currently doing, but have done a number of times, right? So like rebrand on the website. I used to would put that on my to-do list as like work on website, which like what does that even mean? That could, that could mean like 50 different things in the, in the work of like redoing my website. And so now I make sure that if I'm putting something on the, on the to-do list that it has a really, really specific, um, a really specific action verb associated with it. So I try to make it as tiny. I try to make the the task as tiny as possible and as like specific and discreet as possible. Um, so, you know, it might be like, uh, draft a new about page, draft new about page text. And that might be just like one task on the the project of redoing the website, right? So like redo the website might be on the the list, but it's like the project heading and then all the different tasks underneath that are like draft the new about page text, find the headshots that I want to update onto the, you know, go through and look, look for the right headshot, you know, play with brand colors in, uh, you know, in the, the illustrator app that I use. Um, so, you know, each of those different things becomes like a super tiny doable action so that b- before, whenever I would just write like work on website or like even worse, no verb at all, like just like website <laughs> would sometimes be like a, a thing I would write on my to-do list. And then you like never actually get to cross that off because you're like, well, I didn't finish it. Well, the website rebrand is like still not done. And that's a project that can take like three months or so or longer, right? And so being able to like actually break it down into super manageable super tiny, actually actionable, finishable tasks means that at the end of the day, I can be like, okay, well, I had 10 things under this project heading, 10 tasks, but I can like cross off six of those because I actually did some stuff on this and it's not done yet, but some some pieces of it have been completed. And just giving myself that opportunity to like find completion in the things that can be completed and to like really celebrate those things, cross it off and feel good about it. Like that, I feel like has been a huge shift for me. And then the other piece of that is to, to that when I put things on the list that are sort of more of the kind of like recurring labor types of things, 
that I put those in a separate column on the to-do list <laughs> because they show up over and over and over again, right? So it's like, oh, if you're trying to like build a meditation habit or like go on a walk every day or like whatever those kinds of things are that it's like you're going to do it and then you're going to have to do it again or even like wash the dishes, vacuum the floor, take the garbage out, like all of that kind of stuff that if I write those things down that they're like in a separate place because I know I'm going to do it and then I'm going to have to do it again and there's no sort of like deliverable on that, right? It's like, well, the sink is empty right now, but like in 15 minutes, there's going to be dishes in it again. So like, let me at least like put that in a different category in my mind and on my list. So I don't, um, so I don't feel bad whenever the sink is empty only for 10 minutes and then it's got dishes in it again. Yeah, I love all of this. I love that you're talking about the real specifics of what you actually do. One of the things that's helped me a lot is to not fight or demonize my desire for that feeling of completion or accomplishment. And this goes back to what you were saying at the beginning of, you know, basically not going swinging the pendulum so far to the other end where it's like, it shouldn't matter if I'm productive at all, right? That whole thing, realizing it actually, it feels good to complete things to me. And I don't think that I'm alone in that. And so, yeah, structuring the to-do list, structuring the day so that I do have points of that feel like completion. I really need that. Yeah, I think you're I think we all do and I think the the part of breaking things down into those smallest tasks can it can feel a little bit um it can feel a little squirmy at first to be like, well, I'm not allowed to give myself credit for that. That's so tiny. That like doesn't even count. Well, it's still not done yet, right? And so like really breaking things down into those tiniest measurable um, increments. And then I feel like that gives me a lot of opportunity to then work on my own kind of like self-talk and self-belief because when I cross something extremely tiny, like reply to email from so-and-so, when I like write that on the list and then I do it and cross it off and I'm like, ah, well that, you know, like to actually give myself a moment to just be like, yeah, I did it. Congratulations. Good job. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like really letting yourself celebrate the smallest things. I feel like that can really like retrain our brains and our hearts and our like orientations to ourselves and each other in the world, which is like, I don't know, maybe a kind of lofty thing to say, but it feels like it's working. So, <laughs> Well, I feel like all of this, it's like a two-pronged approach. There's like the practical, like what are we actually doing differently? And then there's the like self-talk mindset piece, right? And I have had really no success just approaching one or the other. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I feel like it always takes, when I think about how change happens with myself and with my clients, like I always think of it in terms of what is the cognitions work? Like what is the thought level work that we need to do to change things? Um, what is the, what are the like um, emotional things that we need to process through in order to change this behavior? And then like, maybe like under emotions, I would also put like body-based, like somatic stuff. What is the kind of like emotional or somatic aspect of it that needs to be dealt with? And then like, what are the actual practical pieces that we can put in a place that support both of those? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think with this topic that like everything we're going into, I think a lot about what can I actually do to set myself up for success. And when you were talking about the way that you create your to-do list, that resonates with me a lot. I also used to put really non-actionable things on an action list or things that couldn't really be crossed off or that didn't really, they didn't really feel done ever. Uh, and that felt very much like not setting myself up for a feeling of success. One of the the things that I started doing, which basically is exactly what you said, I just think about it a little bit differently, is 
um, especially at the beginning when I was trying to make this change, was uh, writing out my to-do list as if I were delegating it to somebody else, right? Like having to be specific enough that I'm going to hand this to someone else who isn't inside my brain that they would know what to do. And like you said, you know, research, whatever, or like website, like that's too vague. No one else would ever be able to take action on that. Whereas draft about page copy for new website, like that's an actual thing that somebody else could understand what the deliverable is, what it is that you're asking for. And something about writing out a to-do list as if I'm explaining it to someone else or making the steps something that someone else understands what the point of completion is, that's been a really helpful, tiny shift for me. I love that. That's so that's so smart to think about how are yeah, how are you <laughs> how are you making sure that that it's um that it's comprehensible even to your own self? Because then I, I feel like the the other thing is that like you can break things down into those tiny little bits, but then if you're like not giving yourself that moment of completion, that then you're just like, okay, great, now on to the next thing, right? And it's like, okay, but wait, can we can we can we pause? Can we like slow down and re- rewind a minute and just go like, okay, great. You did that thing. Look at that. Mm-hmm. You did that thing. Hey, good job. You did that thing. And to like have that moment with ourselves, I feel like giving yourself all the all the tools and opportunities you can to make it so that those moments are more possible is just like, yeah, that's that's such a um there's so many different approaches to make that more possible. Mm-hmm. And just, yeah, that moment of pause before moving on to the next thing, like, yay me, like little fist pump, little chair dance, right? Like where I'm sitting, good for me, I did this thing. I'm all about, like, give yourself as much credit as possible, I feel. Yeah, like. I just had this conversation yesterday, too, with um, with another uh, another friend of mine who, um, this is actually my with my cousin, who is, uh, you know, like almost 20 years younger than me. And she had texted me to say, we were texting about something else. And then she said, Hey, I, I, I wanted to tell you, like I started, um, I've started learning to cook and not just like taking frozen food out of the, out of the freezer and putting it in the microwave. Like I'm actually learning how to cook on the stovetop. And she texted me like a picture of the breakfast that she had made. And I, I texted back and I was just like, Oh my God, that's so cool. Good for you. Like, that's so great. I texted like trophy emojis and like, um, you know, like uh, gold medal emojis <laughs> to her. And she wrote me back and she was like, you're literally the only person I know who would be so genu- so genuinely excited about this small thing that has happened for me. And I was like, man, you got to get you got to get some new friends because like literally all of my <laughs> friends are like I mean all of my closest people we text each other shit that's like I took a shower today and I'm like high five like Lisa Simpson dancing gifts like whatever you know like <laughs> really celebrating each other because because it's hard to be a human it's like hard to just like get up and live every day like that's like a choice we're all making to just be like okay I'm getting up I'm doing it again I'm gonna keep going like and I, I feel like that that tendency to just be sort of like derisive to each other and like derisive to ourselves where it's just like ugh, you expect credit for that. Like you expect like celebration for that. Like you want a trophy emoji because you cooked something like ugh, right. And and that that there is a different way to be. There's like we can we can actually be like um, not just like neutral or kind to each other, but we can be like enthusiastically effusive with our praise to ourselves and to each other. And it feels really good. 
<laughs> it feels it feels incredible. I have, you know, like one of my closest friends, we very much have that relationship too. And I think about it as like building a culture of celebration where it becomes normalized to send those texts back and forth, to send those trophy emojis, right? To to do that type of stuff, to send the like $10 Venmo, like congrats on this thing you did, like go get a fancy coffee, right? That type of stuff. Even if you just wind up sending the same $10 back and forth to each other, like over and over again throughout the course <laughs> of your friendship, there's it has helped me celebrate myself more because even to have that moment of like, oh, I could send this to her and like she would celebrate me or, you know, like this could be something that's appreciated. It makes me give myself more credit. I think that there's I think there's really something to that, this idea of taking responsibility for being enthusiastic for your loved ones and for yourself. And, you know, why not have more and more moments of celebration? I feel like culturally celebration is reserved for these, you know, really rare or once in a lifetime moments or these like, I don't know, like a graduation or a wedding or the birth of a baby. And it certainly doesn't mean don't celebrate those things. But it makes me sad to think that there are maybe this like small handful of like five to 10 things over a person's life that we like those are the things you would buy like a Hallmark card for, right? And everything else, it's like, all right, well, just get on with it. Just do your life when, I don't know, I I like what you're saying about more celebration. Yeah, I love that. I, I, I feel like the Especially for people who like opt out of so many of the the things that you might send a Hallmark card for that like that it both, you know, if you're not graduating from a educational institution or getting married or buying a house or having a kid or like whatever the other things are retiring from a job, like the other things that are sort of like culturally sanctioned to celebrate, then it's like, oh, shit. Well, then like there's just like nothing. Mm-hmm. Okay, like, you know, I don't know, I have opted out of most of those things. And I'm just like, right, like, so then the the opportunities to celebrate each other are become more limited, but also become more limitless, because it's just like, oh, yeah, right, we can celebrate each other for for like, literally everything all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I want to ask you, because obviously, I love the strategies that you shared. Uh, and we've talked about some of the ways to think about productivity. In maybe a more, I'm just going to say in a more productive way. (laughs) Clearly, that's where my brain's at. But obviously, that's like we're not robots, right? It's not, that's not a perfect formula. You know, even giving ourselves the points when we wake up and having the to-do list that's, you know, realistic and manageable and specific, right? All the things that we've talked about. Of course, things don't go according to plan all the time. I'm interested what self-forgiveness looks like for you when that's the case. Wow. Yeah, that's such a deep question. I think the, the, well, I I think of a couple of things. One, I, I am really working on trying to trust that none of my feelings about myself are permanent. (laughs) Uh, And so when I feel like shit about myself that I am like, okay, this is going to pass. Like, this is just a thought I'm having and it's, it's going to change. Like, I feel really bad about myself right now because, you know, and it's, it's, it's never, it's, it doesn't usually happen anymore for, for just being unproductive. It's usually like I was unproductive and I had a difficult emotional interaction with someone and like I have PMS or something. And then it's like, oh yeah, today I feel really bad about myself. And so trying to, to trust that like, right, that like that Rilke poem, no feeling is final, or I'm just like, right, no feeling is final. This is how I feel about myself right now, but that's going to, that will shift. Like I will I am hopeful that I will wake up tomorrow and feel differently. And I feel like some of that is just like learning to be 
okay with discomfort to just be like, okay, this feels really bad, but like also I don't, I don't actually believe like my feeling is real. My thought is real, but I don't believe that it's permanent. And so I can just like tolerate this discomfort (laughs) for however long it's going to, going to be here. And then I think like the other thing that I, I really, um, that I work on a lot with myself and recommend to basically all of my clients, maybe I've recommended this to you already in some form or fashion, but like, is just like tenderness practices where it's like, what does it look like to actually just be really soft with ourselves? So for me, and it's like in a really practical way, like when I feel bad about myself and I notice that I'm getting that kind of like, either like the kind of like gripping, hurry up, do more, clench your fist tighter, keep going, don't move from the computer, like whatever, like that kind of feeling. Or whenever it's the just like, I didn't do enough today. Like I'm a failure. It's never going to get any better. It's always been this way and it always will. Like that kind of like um, more like despair kind of feeling about myself or about my work or about my, you know, ability to be productive that like in the simplest ways that I can just notice that that's happening. And then for me, what I do is just like, if I can, if I am resourced enough to notice that it's happening and if I am resourced enough to be able to like make an action around it, that like just putting my hand on my heart and like softening for a minute, just like literally softening my jaw, trying to soften my belly, like feeling my body be soft. And then sometimes that like, Sometimes I cry a little bit. Sometimes I like just feel the kind of like agitation or irritation, but just like pausing and and being soft can help me to get to the place where I'm like, okay, I feel this way right now. Like I'm still okay. I still am a person that deserves to like live a life and receive love and like see beauty and whatever, you know, eat dinner. (laughs) Like I'm still a person who, who deserves to exist and I trust that that I won't feel this way forever, right? Mm-hmm. And to like really do that deepest level of work that's like, hey, it's, you know, to like talk to myself in a different way that's like, hey, it's okay that you're being so hard on yourself. Like, I know that this is a thing that you've had to learn to do in order to survive, both like in order to survive in my childhood and also like in order to survive inside this system of capitalism that like literally if you fail at capitalism, you might die, right? And so the fact that all of us are like so tangled up and like wanting to be productive and wanting to do more and wanting to, you know, make sure we're, we're always doing the most. It's like, yeah, that's like a survival drive from deep within. So to like be able to be really soft and tender and compassionate with myself about the fact that that's how I feel. And then sometimes makes it feel a little less dire, right? A little less urgent to hurry up and fix that feeling or fix that, you know, to treat that emotional experience that I'm having as like a problem that I need to make go away. Mm-hmm. I particularly, I mean, I appreciate everything that you just said, but I particularly appreciate what you said about like failing at capitalism. The stakes are actually high. Sometimes with this fear of, you know, well, I'm not doing enough and that's going to mean that I'm not going to earn enough money and that's going to mean that I'm not going to be able to take care of myself, that sure, I can spiral out in about that in a way that is potentially not realistic and not supportive. But the root fear there is real. And I have never found success trying to make myself feel silly for what actually is a real and understandable fear. Absolutely. I think it's really, um, 
you know, all of those like deepest drives in us are are there for a reason and to be able to go like, okay, I, I can like honor and acknowledge the like deep intelligence of my body, the deep wisdom of my nervous system in like wanting to push me like this. And also I can choose differently, right? Like, and also I can, I can, um, I can not let that be the only force that is driving me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also what you were saying about, you know, a, a feeling, not, not thinking that a feeling is going to be permanent. That's, I feel like I, I, come back to this over and over again. One of my, and I've worked on this in therapy quite a bit, uh, is not kind of catastrophizing and future projecting that doom spiral. Well, because I didn't get, you know, the things that I had promised myself I was going to get done today, or because I'm feeling, you know, so exhausted that I can't do X, Y, or Z today, that means I'm not going to be able to do it tomorrow. And that means that this weekend is going to be bad. And that means, and I just like go forward until all of a sudden everything, nothing's ever going to be okay again. Right. And really trying to not make not latch too much onto any one thing and sometimes i'm better at that than other times but it has been helpful for me to push myself as i don't know like a potentially like a grounding exercise during that period of time or when i'm feeling that way to look for even one piece of evidence from my past that that's not true mm. right like can i think of a time this comes up a lot for me around the like seven or eight days before I start my period, right? Like with PMDD, with everything, like it just, it, it everything is bad, right? My mental health is terrible, like depression, anxiety, insomnia, physical pain, nausea, vomiting, right? Like it's, it's, it's not great. And I always, I'm like, oh my God, I'm not getting anything done this week. I'm having to cancel things. I'm having to push things back. You know, this is going to meet and I go for it and I go for it and I have to stop and say, okay, have I ever had an experience in the past where I felt really bad one day and then felt a lot better the next day? And of course I have. And something about that helps to break me out of the cycle. Yeah, I love that. The the sort of like looking for looking for evidence to the contrary is is super useful. The other thing that that makes me think of is just like this is sort of like going back to like optimizing things, but that like I feel like part of the reason we get so down on ourselves is because we like hold ourselves to our best standard all the days of the month. <laughs> that like why you feel bad on those 7 days, right? I also have those 7 or 8 or t- sometimes 10 days of like okay, it's just not happening right now, right? And that like even for people without like hormonal fluctuations that um, at least hormonal fluctuations that are like related to a menstrual cycle, right? That like, and I think this sometimes even happens like in a subconscious or, or like, yeah, not quite fully articulated way that we think about what is the, the best, what is my like best, most productive day look like? And then we expect every day to be like that. <laughs> And then, and then it's not like that. Like, you know, I maybe get like three or four days like that every month where I'm like, I really feel like I just like banged it out. Everything worked, like everything went exactly smoothly and just the way that I would, would want it to. And then all the other, you know, 26 days in the month or whatever, it's like, it's, it's not like that. And so I I feel like actually just like lowering the bar for what what we expect of ourselves is another like huge sort of like practical and uh, practical and philosophical, you know, or mindset kind of piece that can make it a lot easier to just feel okay with how, however much you get done. Right. That we're like expecting that, like, what is, what actually is your average, right? If like your most productive day looks like this, 
and then your least productive day looks like that, like what is it that we could like reasonably expect of ourselves on a regular basis? Mm-hmm. Like zooming out a little bit, I find that to be really helpful. I remember when I used to be a runner, one of the things that was really helpful for me was realizing that in any, let's say, 10 runs, right? If you take like 10 consecutive runs, there would maybe be one run that was so awful, like the side stitch, the stomach cramp, the foot hurts, the knee hurts, right? For maybe no explainable reason. It just, it was garbage, you know, trash fire run. And there would maybe be one or two runs that were like the magical unicorn run of, oh my gosh, this feels amazing. The endorphins. I feel like I could keep going long after my scheduled stopping point. And every other run was kind of like, meh, Okay, it was fine, right? It wasn't it wasn't anything to write home about in one way or the other, and that was really helpful for me once I started expecting that that was what it was going to be most of the time, if most of the time was just kind of like, "Meh, it's fine." That that I feel like that principle sort of applies here as well, that you're right, that it's easy to look at our most productive day of the month, right, or of the quarter and set that as the standard instead of being like, well, what happens most of the time? Because what I do most of the time matters more than what I only do once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, it lets us uh, it lets us like see the accumulation of our efforts as opposed to just like, were your efforts good enough today or like this afternoon or over this one hour and instead being able to go like, OK, yeah, like but I did. But like but eventually things are, you know, eventually we're getting there, even if it's on a slower timeline or at a different at a more sort of um you know, undulating kind of uh, productivity pace um, that we are like making forward progress. We are sort of getting somewhere. Mm-hmm. I I especially need some kind of reminder of that with those recurring tasks that you were talking about before, that sometimes what I'll do in my planner is I'll have, like, I'll draw a bunch of little squares. And every time I do whatever the thing is, let's say it's writing or, you know, stretching, that's a thing I constantly always know that I feel better when I do. And for whatever reason, it falls out of my brain every day that it's a thing that I can reach for and do. So every time, you know, I stretch for five minutes or 10 minutes or whatever, I get to color in one of the little squares. And it really is nice over a month period to be able to look back at like, oh, this added up to something. Not that I have something to show for it of like, look at this fancy stretch I can do because it's that's not the point. But for something like that, that doesn't have a completion the same way that like finishing a work project, right, might, I find that it's helpful to give myself some kind of tangible reminder that it all stacks up. Yeah, I'm a big proponent of the the gold star chart, you know, like you would have yes. when you were a little kid and, and to just write those kind of recurring um, recurring actions on it, uh, you know, so stretching, feeding yourself, going for a walk, like whatever those things are that, you know, taking your meds or your vitamins or whatever, like putting all those things on, on your list. And then, and, and yeah, and, and like giving your, it's like literally giving yourself a little credit for it, right. Being like, oh yeah, look at that. I did a thing, you know, and, um, buy, buy stickers, like buy some like Lisa Frank stickers or whatever would make your inner child happy. Right. And then like use those. So you're like, okay, look, I like, I actually, I did a thing and giving yourself that kind of like dopamine hit the reward, you know, the reward center in your brain being like, ah, yes, this, um, I feel like that's, Mm -hmm. that's really, really useful. Yeah, and I have to push back against the story that my brain wants to invite me into of what's wrong with you that you need stickers in order to get basic adulting done? What's, you know, you shouldn't need X, Y, or Z thing. And all of that is stupid and untrue. And if it makes me feel good, I'm allowed to do it. Yeah, I feel like the the like 
the overarching uh, life lesson of my 30s has just been like, whatever works, like literally whatever works. Do you need this thing to make that happen? Cool. Whatever works. Like, that's fine. And to like really let myself out of the the grip of the kind of like should stories, the like, this is what I ought to be able to do, or this is because, because like it, like true or not true, like it's just not reality, right? Like, thankfully I have managed to overcome this in pandemic times, but I used to really struggle to like write if I was sitting at home at my computer, like I was, yeah, I could do all kinds of other things, but when it was time to like actually like write a blog post or like whatever Instagram caption that I would really struggle to do that type of work. But I knew that if I went and sat in a coffee shop because that I would be able to write in part because of what you said before about like wanting other people to think I was productive. Like <laughs> if I was at home, I might be scrolling on my phone or I might be like watching cat videos on YouTube or some other stupid shit, but I would go to a coffee shop and I would want other people to like see me as being productive. So I would like sit down on my computer and open my Google doc and like get to work, you know, and be like Mm -hmm. really focused. And I used to be really down on myself. Like if I were a real writer, I would be able to, you know, Uh, I would be able to just like get up every morning and like open my, you know, open the, open the tool and like do the thing and like not, not need anything else. But like the reality is that's not, that's, that wasn't true. It wasn't possible. And the, the other piece of it is that like, the reality is that when I went to a coffee shop, I could write 2,000 words. And it was just like, bing, okay, it's done. Like, no big deal. And so letting myself out of that kind of like shame, atta- that like attachment to an idea of like who I should be or what I should be able to do meant that then I actually could just do the thing. Yeah. I love what you said before about whatever works. For me with writing, I have that same thing. You know, if I were a real writer, I would be able to, you know, insert whatever nonsense here. But for me, it's I need writing dates, at least right now at this season of my life right now. I have two writing dates per week with different friends where it's, you know, an hour or an hour and a half. We meet on Zoom. We chat for like, you know, I don't know, 10 minutes or less kind of catch up style. And then for the rest of the hour, we each write quietly and then like briefly talk about it at the end. And it's literally the only way that I'm getting any writing done. And, you know, should I in air quotes be able to do that on my own? OK, fine, maybe. But it's what works. So why not like give yourself permission to do what works? works. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really, I'm that way now with, um, with a lot of house tours, like especially in the pandemic, I've, um, my, I, I have a story that I should be able to just like keep my house clean on my own, but the reality is I can't. And so, um, <laughs> or I won't, or I don't. Right. And so, but I know that if I get on the phone with a friend who I feel comfortable with, um, particularly a friend who I can say, hey, do you want to talk on the phone while I wash my dishes, that then I will wash the dishes. Or like, hey, do you Mm -hmm. want to talk on the phone while I fold my laundry, that then I will fold the laundry. And like, just letting that be okay. And instead, so then I'm just like, then I look at the pile of laundry or the sink full of dishes. And instead of being like, God, I'm such a failure because I can't just do it. Instead, I just think to myself, oh, I need to make a phone date with so-and-so so that I can actually do these things. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, completely. It's I'm a big fan of bribing myself, right? Like little treats or rewards after a thing that I don't want to do. So it was setting up some kind of co-working. I'm a really big fan of using timers, right? Then I'm like, okay, oh, yeah, I'm going to set this timer for 13 minutes. That's how long I will clean for. Whatever gets done in 13 minutes is what gets done and everything else is not getting done. And A, it always surprises me, using cleaning as an example, how much I can actually do in 13 minutes. It's not an insignificant amount of time. And yeah, just figuring out what it is that works for me. And like you said, you know, being willing to say to the friend, hey, will you talk to me while I do my dishes reminds me of something else that I have been really working on is creating 
I don't want to say like a culture of honesty. That sounds, I don't know, too lofty, but creating a culture of honesty around needing to change or cancel plans, both personally and professionally. I have this really deep fear of seeming flaky and everything that comes along with that, which I'm sure we could unpack. But it has been really challenging for me to, especially in a work context, to cancel or reschedule things. Like there are either so many podcasts recording or maybe not so many, but there have definitely been a handful of things over the years that it would have been kindest to myself to reschedule. And I didn't. And I wouldn't let myself do that and kind of wore that as a badge of honor a little bit. And again, I think there's a middle ground there. I, it does matter to me to be a person who does the thing that they say they're going to do and that people feel like they can count on. But I'm trying to practice being honest when I do need to change something about the real reason why. This is kind of embarrassing to admit, but there were times where I had to cancel something and I made up what felt like a more understandable or like non-weak, like weakness-based thing, right? Like, oh, my internet's going to be down, so I can't have such and such call when it's actually when we were just talking about like the menstrual stuff, right? Or I'm having a bad mental health day or, you know, I felt too vulnerable saying any of those things and so made up some other reason and maybe that's appropriate sometimes. But I'm trying to be honest about needing to change or reschedule to almost like humanize it a little bit. Does that make sense? Yeah, that totally makes sense. I love that you brought that up too, because I, I actually wrote a blog post specifically about flakiness. And like, it was like, I forget, it was entitled something like in defense of being flaky, that was specifically about this thing of like, we, and I think it, it, it's so rooted in this like culture of kind of like coercion and, and like codependency, which I think is also really rooted in patriarchy that says that like we should put other people above ourselves, right? And so like if you said you were going to do something, like therefore your obligation is to to the other person who you made that commitment to instead of to yourself. And I think I agree it, it is a middle ground. Like I think in relationship, our responsibility is to both of us. Um, when we when we have willingly entered into a relationship, it's, you know, we then become uh, you know, we we are opting into being somewhat responsible for each other. But like the idea that like you said yes to a thing three weeks ago and now you like have to do it, it just feels so coercive and manipulative and like not consent based. And and I feel like the idea that we should be able to like say yes and then revoke consent, I'm like, uh, there's so many ways that that is true and like not actually practiced in society. And so like being able to put that into practice in like friendships and work relationships is so important. And and yeah, to be able to give the real reason why I think is just like another piece of that to be able to say like, I, I didn't reply to your email because I've really been struggling with my mental health rather than being like, sorry, it's just been so busy over here or whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I remember um, earlier this year, or earlier this season, my cat died. And obviously I was really sad about that. And I had a call scheduled, something that I was supposed to lead with a small group of people. And it was so hard for me to reschedule that. It was, you know, one of the first times I've ever rescheduled, you know, that type of call. And I had to sit there and be like, well, I could technically do this. Like I have the time. I could show up. I could sort of like phone it in. I, you know, I'm gritty enough that I can make most things work. And I had to stop and be like, it's okay to cancel this. You are sad and grieving and this isn't in anybody's best interest. And when I canceled it, I said why. And of course, everyone was really understanding, but I don't know, it was a real learning lesson for me of like, you actually can just 
meet your needs to the best of your ability and other people will hopefully understand. Yeah, it's so that's such a uh, it's such a practice, right? It's such a practice to be able to be like, okay, I'm going to let you see me as fully human and Mm -hmm. hope and expect that you will treat me as such. Well, I have I felt like it's really generous when other people have done that to me. It's a reminder that, oh, right, I also am a human and can do this. And yeah, the last thing that I want to ask you is if you have anything that works for you to not get really sucked into self-destructive comparison with what other people are producing, creating or getting accomplished. Mm. Well, a couple of things. I always I'm like I'm like, oh, there's like 17 answers to this question. <laughs> <laughs> um one of the things that I try to do is just really not compare myself to other people, which is like <laughs> I, I think that's like a little bit uh oversimplistic because like how actually do you do that, right? But I feel like there's some some like cognitions work that happens there for me that's like I don't need to I don't need to compare myself to anyone else and and I can like I, I am trying to work, uh, trying to work on letting that go, just like in general as a life practice. I I think that sometimes I tend to be. I don't know that I actually compare myself to people's productivity levels. Honestly, I feel like I compare myself to other people's success sometimes, and that's a thing that I work on. Where I'm like, okay, just because somebody else is succeeding doesn't mean that I'm not going to be able to. Like, there's enough for all of us, and particularly mm-hmm. in the kind of like line of work that I do, I'm like, oh yeah, there there is no limit on the amount of like social justice oriented work that needs to be done in the world. And so like just the, the fact that like lots of other people are, are doing this kind of work also doesn't mean that there isn't space for me to do it too. Yeah, I don't know. I don't get super tangled up on on looking at other people and being like they're doing more than me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, I appreciate that because not a, that maybe that is a struggle of mine and not a struggle of everyone's, right? It's like helpful to hear too sometimes that it's like, well, that's just not really a thing that pings so much. Yeah. I, I mean, I have plenty of, <laughs> don't misunderstand me. I have plenty of problems and plenty of shit that I'm trying to like un, unlearn. But for whatever reason, that doesn't feel like a particular one. I, I feel like I, um, I have the, the, the battle for me is with myself. Right. That it's yeah. like, d- did I do as much as I expect myself to do? Um, I, I feel like that's what it is for me as well. And I just notice sometimes I have to ask myself, where are my expectations for what I should be doing coming from? And oftentimes they are, whether it's like you said, like cognitive or not, they're coming from what I see or think other people are doing. And the only thing that's been really helpful for me with that is, again, having to define enough for myself, right? Not looking outward to like, what would actually enough be for me? What is a good life for me? What is enough money for me? Because if someone else's definition is wildly different, that's okay. That doesn't actually affect what mine is. I find that to be helpful. And I also find it to be helpful to continuously remind myself that I don't know everyone else's story. Right. You don't know, you know, if it looks like someone's getting such and such many things done, maybe they just have a higher capacity than me. Okay, can I allow that to be fine? Maybe they have more help than me. Maybe they have a different situation, right? And I'm, and at different periods of time, that could, all of those could be true. But I sometimes just feel like I have to remind myself about that. Yeah, yeah, that seems that I, I, I hear that. I, I feel like that's, um, I think that's probably quite common. For me, I feel like it's like this like deeper thing thing which is this like uh 
it becomes like a soul level thing that's like not actually about productivity at all, but that's actually really about like purpose. Like, am I doing the thing that I'm meant to be here to do? <laughs> Which makes it like so not that I'm I'm not comparing like my my troubles with your troubles in a like hierarchical way, but I feel like it makes it um the like not getting enough done on my to-do list feels like one piece of the puzzle, but the sort of like, am I am I living the life that I'm meant to live? Like those kinds of existential questions come up for me that that are like, that feel like they're like rooted in the productivity question. And that stuff feels like the place that I really get tangled up. Mm, that's so interesting. I feel like this could be its whole other conversation, right? Like <laughs> digging into this idea of purpose. Um, yeah, no, because it's at the end of the day, it's like, what are we trying to be productive for? Right, like what, what are these 16 things on the to-do list for? <laughs> Right. And I think this the sort of like untangling from productivity mentality of like I I have to be productive in order to earn my, you know, earn my keep in order to like be, you know, feel worthy of of, you know, existing or whatever that like the flip side of that is that that piece of like, well, you don't need to be productive at all, don't pay any attention to it, but yeah, again that that middle ground for me is like, okay, how do I get really clear about the fact that like there are some things in my life that I want to accomplish? Like I have things that I like, I really want to do these things and that like doing in and of itself isn't wrong or bad, even though it's been sort of like um, pathologized and and like um, exploited inside capitalism, like doing is okay and, and making sure that like what I'm doing is in alignment and that I'm actually, you know, I think for me, it feels like if I don't do some of those things that I feel the like deepest soul longing for that it's like then my soul shrivels up and dies and that's really a thing I'm trying to prevent (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah and so I feel like that's a really good place to start to wrap up because it's like that's the larger umbrella over all of these things right like what is the purpose why am I doing these things what is my soul calling for and then within that how to approach the the doing and the making and the creating and the accomplishing that it takes in pursuit of those things how to do that in a way that is humane and kind and tender and sustainable exactly that is the that's the that's the summary of all the things we just talked about I think <laughs> yes yes it is um okay so if you could leave folks with one call to action based on our conversation what would that be maybe a question to ask themselves or a small thing to do mm. I think that like the question that I that that comes to me right now is like um what would it feel like to just let myself be enough just as I am right now in this moment mm. And to like really sit with that, right? Of like, yeah, what what does what does that feel like? It does that feel possible to does that idea feel possible to hold? Like what does it feel like in my body to feel like enough? Yeah. I love that. What is the best place for people to find you and say hi online? Do you have a particular favorite way to connect with new folks? Yeah, if people want to hear more about my work, they can find it on my website, bearcoaches.com. All of the all of the things, life coaching and business consulting, live there. Uh, and if people want to be in touch in a more casual way, I'm on Instagram at bear a bear with an underscore at the end of it. And yeah, those are I have I have social media presence in other places, but it's it's sort of um it's like cursory placeholder social media presence. And Instagram is the place where I actually am and am interacting with people. So I'm happy to happy to connect with folks there. Awesome. I will put links to both of those things in the show notes. Thank you so much, Bear. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. And that's our show for today. 
Our music is by Adam Day, who also handles our sound editing. Thanks, Adam. You're the best. And huge thanks as well to every single member of our Patreon community for making this honest conversation, this entire podcast, and so much of my other work, like my twice-weekly personal essay newsletter called Good Question, possible. Your monthly funding allows me to keep creating resources and gatherings for folks who crave honest conversations, both with themselves and others. And I fully believe that these conversations can change our lives, our relationships, and our world. To join us, just come on over to patreon.com slash Nicole Antoinette. Our community operates on a shame-free sliding scale, so you can feel good about supporting this work from within your own means. So I'll see you over in the Patreon community, yeah? And until next time, I want you to know three things. First, that you are enough. Second, that you are not alone. And third, that I'm totally rooting for you. (laughs) 